Welcome to the Pillars of Health podcast with resident strength coach, John Carroll. The Pillars of Health is on a quest to help you gain insight into the best ways you can manage stress, sleep, exercise, and nutrition in order to live your best life. Stay up to date with the Pillars of Health podcast by checking out our Facebook and Instagram pages, as well as CoachJohnCarroll.com. Welcome to the Pillars of Health podcast with me, John Carroll. On the podcast today, we're discussing four fitness mistakes to steer clear from. And helping me discuss this topic today and get some in-depth knowledge on the topic is our resident co-host, Alex Tansky. Thanks for thanks for honoring me with the resident uh, title, my man. Yeah, yeah. It's just Hall of Fame. Hall of Fame. So now, is there uh, an induction fee, an induction ceremony here? You know? There's a yeah. It's all it's like college. It's probably going to be around thirty-five thousand, and you get a certificate at the end. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. I got to talk to my parents about this. Before we get into our icebreaker question, real quick, if you like the content on Pillars of Health, please head on over to iTunes, leave us some feedback. So. Like-minded people who are looking for the same content as you are listening to can find it a little bit easier uh, when it, they search for Pillars of Health or anything health-related. And the email as well. By this time, you probably know what this is, the Pillars of Health pod at gmail.com. All right, icebreaker question today, Alex. What is the most ridiculous thing your parents ever done to embarrass you? Yo, uh, let's see. They, I got to admit, they... They don't really embarrass me, or maybe I'm just not that easily embarrassed. Right. <laughs> as, a, as someone who was in uh, a high school musical in pleather pants, I don't think I'm uh, that <laughs> that easily embarrassed. But I have to think about this so, because uh, I know can, my mom. I have to know we, my mom's going to listen to this, so I don't know. <laughs> can we get the picture of you from that, and then I'll get my picture of me. From previous podcasts, we talked about my long, skinny legs. <laughs> oh man, amazing, amazing. Um, I, no, no, I'm trying to think. I don't think. I don't think it was much. I can think of things that I did embarrass myself, like like the aforementioned pleather pants, or <laughs> or when my dad was my uh, coach in baseball, how I, you know, would strike out and throw a bat, and then he'd be like, "You're sitting down, and you're out of the game," and I'd be like, start crying because I was embarrassed and whatever. They did, they did a pretty good job of not embarrassing me. I think they embarrassed my sister a lot more, so maybe they, maybe they learned. So, right, right. older sister, that is. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. All right. Four fitness mistakes to avoid. Let's start off with the first one. The first one I always see people doing, which is kind of two things, um, where they drastically decrease their calories while really increasing their physical activity. People tend, tend that people that tend to do these. Uh, both both of them at the same time, it's usually an effort to lose weight or just to lose body fat or, or whatever, because that's really what you hear in the media. Like you need to eat less, you need to exercise more, right. um, but it's really not that simple when you get down to the physiology of everything. And it, I think it takes a short-term view of the problem versus looking a lot more long-term and what these effects have in our body. So when someone really cuts their calories, that alone is going to be stress on their system. And a lot of us think of stress in terms of like working on a deadline and we don't think of stress in that regard. And the other thing that happens when people, people cut their calories is that our body adjusts. And if we just cut out 500 calories for, you know, a year, we're not going to lose, or let's say a month, a shorter timeframe. We're not going to lose whatever that equates to in weight because our body is going to adjust or it's going to adjust our um, 
metabolism. It's going to adjust how many calories, you know, we're just burning in everyday life. Um, and also with the fewer calories that we're eating, there's just a couple of other ways that our body is just not going to be doing as much work and doing producing as much energy. So um, that alone is going to be a stressor where, again, our, our body's not like designed to be losing weight. It, it's we, we really start dry, cutting our calories our body does things because it thinks we're starving. Um, so it's, it's just going to cut down certain processes, right? So that is going to be a stressor when we combine that with really increasing our physical activity. That's when things get a little bit too uh, unsustainable because a lot of times people do, they work a little bit too hard and they do a lot more high intensity work. So you might see some results in maybe like a first week or two, but over the long term, a lot of things are going to happen first is probably your brain is just going to have a lot less motivation to work out because uh, through a series of just chemical reactions, our body is not going to have the same drive and it's not going to see the same reward from a workout. And while we're also, you know, maybe somewhat starving ourselves or cutting our calories down. Yeah. So through all of these different ways, it's just not the most sustainable path forward. What usually works is doing one at a time, seeing how it goes, and then you just kind of go from there. So um, it's not necessarily the intensity, but just think more about the consistency of which you're you're really trying to change either the your diet or your exercise. Right. right. And a lot of times with this, the, the cutting calories, it's, it's a very short game, whereas we like to talk about the long game and training for life. Constantly yeah. decreasing calories is not sustainable, right? Exactly. Exactly. And I think it's just overall stressful where I, I, I mean, and I've never really tracked my calories, but just from talking to a lot of people that have, they, you just kind of start playing these mind games where you're like, all right, well, I only have 1500 calories to eat today. So I better not have too much for breakfast because then I can't have anything for lunch or dinner. And you just start playing these games with yourself when really what we want to think about are the foods that we're eating. Like what are the foods that we're eating? Are they uh, fruits and vegetables? Are they really heavy on fruits and vegetables? Are, you know, things minimally processed and all that type of stuff. Yeah. So just, just thinking about it a little bit differently, which are still going to be probably decreasing your calories in the long, in the long run, but you're not going to feel as hungry. You're not going to feel like you're starving yourself. And it's just going to be a different reaction through your body when you think about it differently than just cutting your calories and being like, oh, well, now I also have to do this like super intense workout. Yeah. And I, I think the the big mistake there is people thinking I'm not taking this this much food in anymore, but I'm expending more energy. Therefore, I should have a, a, a positive balance when it comes to losing weight. But that's not really how it works. Exactly. Exactly. And uh, I I think, I think we've talked about the study. I think I, I heard you talk about it with um, I think when you were interviewing Kyle Holland and just yeah. one of the one of the studies that came out. I think it was within within the last year or two where it, it basically shows that we only there's only a certain amount of calories that we burn in a day. That this theory that you know if we if we exercise twice as much as normal, we're going to burn twice as many calories. And it's like no, it's not actually what happens. <laughs> it's actually you know we want to think minimally minimal effective dose. Yeah. Um, and that's going to be the best thing for us because otherwise it's just taking 
uh, energy away from our recovery process and a whole bunch of other things that are just going to impact our motivation to work out and just the results that we're going to see over long term. Okay. I like that. Yeah. Minimal effective dose. I like that because what, isn't it nice to get to your fitness goals and life goals by just doing what's necessary and not having to kill yourself every day? Like that is, that's very appealing, you know? So. Exactly. Exactly. And there's, and there's been a couple of people where, uh, I've, you know, I've worked with them and, I've had, they've, you know, they've lost a lot of weight and I've just been like, you know, what, what have you changed? And I'm like, well, I've only really done a, a few things. I've just focused on the quality of foods that I'm eating and it's been pretty easy. And that's not, they, it's going to be easy for anyone, but that it's just, it's just a lot better when you can think more in the long term and you're, you don't have this focus on doing something immediately and having to do and just having to be on this intense schedule. Right. So the second point we want to talk about under the four mistakes to avoid is not prioritizing recovery. Now, kind of discussing what you just mentioned, when I have been able to break through to someone and help them emphasize the importance of recovery and investing time into maybe a proper sleep schedule and just recovering more proactively, that's when I've seen the biggest uh, momentum change for, for clients I've coached. And Can you just go into recovery and, and why we need to put a little bit more emphasis on that? Right. So the, and I think recovery, I, th I don't think a lot of people truly understand what that means. That doesn't mean necessarily that you're just laying on a couch all day um, either and eating whatever you want. That isn't in the name of recovery. It just more means that we have to probably prioritize a few things like you were saying with sleep and sleep is going to be the best recovery modality that I think we have in our arsenal. And it's always going to be that way. Oh, yeah. um, but beyond that, there's plenty of things we can do to make sure that we're really emphasizing our recovery because the workout that we did is only going to be as good as our recovery. Um, and I know that's, that's a mindset, mindset shift that I've had to make myself over the past few years where it's like, you know, I want to, I want to deadlift X amount of pounds and, you know, it's going to be, I'm going to be a complete badass and blah, blah, blah. But right. it's like, well, no, uh, we need to make sure that like, I'm also recovering well, because if I'm not recovered by the next week, then I can't deadlift then either. Yeah. So thinking more in terms of like, you know, if we can do, and I know we do, uh, some breathing resets with people, which is going to help just kind of de-stress people, make you feel better thinking more in terms of a low intensity work so that it's more of an active recovery where our, um, if we get a little bit more of our aerobic system involved by doing long, slow work. So keeping our heart rate between 120 to 140, or maybe like 135 for 30 minutes or so, um, even 45 minutes to an hour, yeah. it's just going to do wonders for just how we feel because our aerobic system is in charge of, Re, like re, restoring our body. Um, so the, the better, the better, the more work we spend in that area, the better we're going to feel and the better we're going to be able to re, be recovered. Um, and then just looking at other ways that you can relax. So some people, I don't do a whole lot of soft tissue therapy on myself. There's kind of a lot of stuff that I do with breathing that I think that's some of the same job, but for those that have a foam roller or know a good masseuse or, have, you know, acupuncture or whatever, I think there's a lot of stuff that's valuable there as well, just to help so get someone recovered, but then also thinking about like meditation and, um, and yeah, so anything that's going to really help you relax is just actually going to see you probably get a lot more gains in the gym. And also probably if you're looking to lose weight, it would, should probably help you lose weight too, because we're not going to be quite as stressed and you're just going to feel better. And we know from a bunch of different research that, you know, the less sleep we get, the more we're wired to have more like sugary 
um, starchy, starchy foods. The yeah. more, the more rested we are, this, the better things are going to be overall. Yeah. The more, the more balance you have, you know, homeostasis, just kind of staying in that, that area where, okay, the body's able to function normally. Whereas if you're constantly on 99%, that's, that's going to be a stressor to the body. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Cool. All right. The third point under the four mistakes to avoid is looking for a workout instead of a training program. So this is a really common one. Can you actually, before we get into that, go into your 300 workout story? Oh, man. <laughs> hey, I've been there too. So I, you know. Like I said, uh, this is more of like me embarrassing myself than anyone else probably, probably embarrassing <laughs> me. So I think this was this was shortly after college where, you know, I was living at home. I was probably just bored and looking for stuff to do where I found this workout online that was called the 300 workout. And where that originated was from the movie 300, yep. which you realize is also there's a lot of CGI in there too. It's just how guys look and stuff like that. But still, they looked impressive when you watch it. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, you can always just Google 300 and um, see their like Spartan-esque physiques. Yeah. So there was this kind of CrossFit style workout that they did as like a rite of passage. And keep in mind, it said it said in the article that they didn't do this every day. That they only did it once, just as like a rite of passage, as like their last day of training. Right. I took this to mean, man, if I can do that every day, I'm going to be all that more jacked. Um, and I don't even want to say what was in there because it's embarrassing. It was a lot of things you shouldn't be doing. Uh, just, just a lot of stuff uh, in a lot of spinal flexion, a lot of advanced things that I had no business doing. So I did that for probably like three or four months, three times a week. That was in the morning. In the afternoon, I would go lift Again, I had no clue what I was doing, but just really it was an effort to make myself as like as badass and as awesome as I could I could be. When you know, fast forward the tape a little bit, and I didn't really see any results uh, where it was really just me burning energy, and that was it. So I didn't really see any weight loss. I didn't see I didn't look any different. Of course, like my times on like the 300 workout got better because I was adapting to it and getting used to it, but Nothing was, no objective measures were really improving besides that. Um, and I think that's just a difference in, and I think a lot of people do it now where I think goal-wise, I think goals can be really hard to set for some people. Yeah. And I know I felt this at that time where, I mean, I didn't know goal-wise, I just wanted to look good. Um, but if you can, you know, get get some coaching or have an idea of where you want to go. So if that is... Um, a certain amount of pull-ups or chin-ups, a deadlift a certain amount, a, a squat of a certain amount that you know is going to get you in better shape, that's probably a lot better of a place to go because that's going to put you on a training program. So rather than going to the gym and just do whatever feels good, which you're probably, you know, you're going to be getting some benefit from it because it's better than nothing. But overall, if, if you're looking to see appreciable, you know, results, it's not going to it's not going to get you there because you don't have that training program and you need that focus. So a lot of times people will have this sort of focus and and mindset when it comes to how much money they want to make, whatever their title they want to be in their profession. They have this kind of track in mind, but when it comes to workouts, I think a lot of people just don't necessarily know what goals to set and because of that they just kind of wing it and winging it in the gym like I said, better than nothing, but it's it's not going to get you the results you probably want to see. Right. And for someone who maybe perhaps doesn't have, you know, 
a deadlift goal or a pull-up or whatever it is. They just kind of want to feel good and, and you know, be able to operate uh, efficiently in, in life in general. Training for life has certain primary goals that we would have for them too, right? You know, because we talk about having an optimal resting heart rate. We talk about being able to do a push-up or, or hinge and squat, right? So there are goals when you're just really looking to train for life in general too. Exactly, exactly. And then, yeah, I mean, that's the big thing. I think, like, if someone's brand new to training, the, the goal is, like, let's just handle your body weight first. So right. if that's, you know, deadlifting your body weight, being able to do a pull-up and a chin-up and a push-up with, like, you know, just – just excellent technique and uh, just a lot of the baselines, those are a good place to be. I think even right now, uh, one of my clients down here, we, I've asked him about goals and he's just like, you know, I don't really know what goals are set. So the goal we have is actually just getting up to the strong first like instructor standards. And that's kind of our goal. So that kind of focuses us a little bit more on, all right, well, we need to train our cardiovascular system to pass the snatch test. We also need to do X, Y, and Z to make sure we're there. Um, and then as we get there, then we can change our focus a little bit to the other weaker points that we need to bring up. So goal-wise, there's a lot of things you can do. A lot of people will set, you know, uh, maybe like a road race or something as a goal. But if you can try to dig a little bit deeper into something a little bit more specific, it's just going to make your training all that more specific and uh, get you better results. Yeah, yeah, awesome. All right, the last point on the four mistakes to avoid not seeking the advice of a qualified coach and or trainer. So this is, this is a common one. <laughs> yeah. And like I said, uh, yeah, this one's a little self-serving too. I'm right. just having to say that. But thinking back to just kind of the journey that I had before I even switched careers when I was doing, you know, that 300 workout and everything, if I had known how much help seeking the advice of like a true professional would be, it would it would have been a game changer and i think i well i also probably would have entered the uh, industry a little bit sooner too but it just would have avoided a lot of the frustration that i've seen uh with my own lifts and i granted i know a lot more now so the frustration is really not as much as it was but there were certain times where i was like why am i not seeing progress what am i doing wrong yeah. and a lot of times it was just this big thing that i just i was too far in the weeds to kind of see yeah so I think where that can really help someone is, again, there's a lot of, there's so much noise out there where if you can meet with someone who really knows their stuff, and a lot of times that means just doing your own homework, finding someone who's on kind of like the same, maybe the same wavelength, has the has certifications that you know are going to be good, um, that's just going to do a lot for your own training. Because if you can get even, you know, let's say 10 sessions with somebody or even less, and you ask them a bunch of questions you uh, will get a lot more of an idea of how to program things. You'll get a lot more of an idea of just general technique where it can really transform your exercise program and your goals. So that is a lot of words. <laughs> but I think what that means is more just looking for, and I get, I'm always partial to someone that's, that's strong first as, as we are, uh, but looking for someone who has, who has that, who, who kind of walks the walk um, and has a lot of that good foundational knowledge where it's just going to be, I know every time I've gone to a certification or I've paid someone to just uh, coach me through some stuff, I've always come away and been like, man, I would have paid double. I've never been disappointed. And right. some of that's just, just the quality yeah. of people that I've, I've been in contact with. But every time I'm like, man, I would have paid double for that because that's it's just so valuable. Oh, yeah. The, uh, the point you just mentioned, practicing what they preach, and I like to 
kind of have the whole thing encompassed in, you know, they're walking the walk, they're talking the talk when you're looking for a good coach because not only should they actually do what they're having you do and practice that and know exactly what, you know, how to coach the, the movement, et cetera, but also are they a nice person too? You know, because that, that's a, that's a point that isn't really brought up. You know, I talked to Brendan Rerick a couple of episodes ago and he talked about like no one wants to be friends with the guy who's carrying around this huge water jug eating you know his tupperware or his food out of a tupperware container and he's like making fun of you because you ate chocolate over the weekend like that's not what we want either you know exactly and i i loved when uh brendan said that on there because i was just like amen brother like 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 whoever if you work with someone they should have you should you should be able to as he said like you know, grab a beer or something with them and hang out with them because yeah. you should, you should want to, they shouldn't be this kind of like, um, stereotypical, like instructor. Right. Um, they should be actually an actual person who you can, who you can trust and have actual conversations with, whether it's about something training related or not training related. Yeah. All right. Well, that, uh, that sums up the four mistakes, four fitness mistakes to avoid. And, uh, we got through that pretty efficiently. I think so. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. All right, Alex, thank you so much for, for calling in and joining us on this one. Thanks, John. It's, uh, it's, it's always good to be on here, man. Yeah, we appreciate it. Guys, yeah. thanks for listening from the Pillars of Health. We'll see you next time. <laughs>